Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Honest Conversations with Alex Cubis, brought to you by Nova. In this episode, I chat with award-winning filmmaker Robert Scott Wilds, whose debut feature, Poor Boy, starred Oscar nominee Michael Shannon and shameless actor Justin Chatwin. We talk all things about his daily writing routine and his filmmaking journey. And the first crucial takeaway from this conversation? Fake it until you make it. You'll have to listen through for what exactly that means in this context, though. Amongst many other top pieces of advice, Robbie gives incredibly specific and valuable insights into being a professional storyteller that would benefit anyone adopting the journeyman's lifestyle. Listen to the end of this recording as we break down in minute detail what Robbie thinks, feels, needs, and wants, as well as memorable anecdotes about how he has secured financing, nabbed a top cast, and his key relationship with personal growth and development. Intro. Oh, hi. My name is Robert Scott Wilds. Robert Scott Wilds, American filmmaker. Do you say director, writer, or do you say filmmaker when you introduce yourself? I don't know. I probably prefer filmmaker. Okay, because yeah. it encompasses all of your skills. Yeah, because I think I the I, the definition of what cinema is is evolving now, right? True. You know, it, yeah. I think writer, director, the idea of writing is kind of evolving as well. This sounds super pretentious already, but like it's. But I'm Dude, just, look at the name of my podcast. <laughs> like, but but what I'm saying is, you know, um, it's interesting because when I was an undergrad, there was this conversation, and it was right around the time when, um, like the idea of of YouTube mm-hmm. being a, a legitimate right where platform. content can be found, and people were discussing it. Should it be considered the same breath as cinema, mm-hmm. like capital C cinema? Yeah, and. There was a very intense dialogue. I mean, there was a lot of people saying, like, no, these these are either, these are just kids in their living rooms mm-hmm. making movies, and, but then the counter-argument to that is, but if you connect with it and it affects you, also, the other counter-argument to that is, if you look at, in terms of cinema history, like, backyard cinema has always revolutionized cinema. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at, you know, the, the film Bratz of France basically changing the language of cinema in the 60s and then the American New Hollywood movement in the 70s and you had just kids taking to the streets and, I mean... The, the more roar and um, unfiltered and unrefined that... Yeah, but you start finding... People start finding their voice yeah. and then, you know, like anything else, there's a lot of, to sift through, but I think the good always finds... Rises to the top. Yeah, good is good is good. So the process of finding your voice is sort of what I want to... Or is what I, what I discuss on the podcast. Okay. Um, usually I start off every conversation with the same four questions, and we'll get to sort of an understanding of what your voice is. Sure. Um, and I believe that successful creatives like yourself are honest as possible. They have an uncompromised point of view. Um, and so, and whether you've had that from the get-go, maybe from before film school, or you've sort of arrived at it recently in the process of working at a higher level, um, basically those types of creatives demonstrate it in their daily lives as much as they do in their work. Okay. Um, so, right in this moment, as honestly as possible, what do you think, feel, need, and want? So, four questions. Oh, okay. What do I think? How, can I, do I have to do it in order? No, you can, you can jump around if you want. Uh, what do I want? Do I think, feel, need, and want? Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Like at this very moment in time? Yeah, like it could be water or lunch. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, I just ate lunch. I made salmon, quinoa, and legumes with some drag sauce. 
But um, <laughs> that is a diet for anyone listening who wants to be a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. yeah that's okay, that's a great tip. Tip number one. Uh, what do I want? I think sustainability. Okay. I think that's probably as is at the end, at least currently in my career, and I think this applies to all filmmakers, uh, a freelance artist in general is sustainability. That's the challenge. Is how do you, on a fundamental level, pay your cell phone bill mm -hmm. and your rent parking or insurance or food or all that stuff yeah and you got a month yeah. and you figure out okay i have a monthly burn rate right and then you then go off and if you're fortunate enough to be able to direct a movie which i have to do to make income you're a director right you direct a movie which i've only done movies at this point you get paid x amount mm -hmm. and it's not like an obscene amount of money. And you're yeah. like, okay, I have to live off this. For like a year and a half, two years. Two years, yeah. usually, yeah, yeah, because you figure, and how it works is you get paid in steps. So yeah. you get paid usually upon four steps, usually like upon signing, you get a percentage, and then like a percentage on, like, you know, principal photography begins, a uh, percentage when you wrap, and then a percentage when you deliver the movie, which could be all bets are off. Could yeah. be. Four or five months later. Okay. So, and then on top of that, you know, I have the agent, manager, and a lawyer. And so 25% of every dollar is gone. And then taxes. And then living in the state of California, the United States of America, yeah. I'm paying roughly 33% taxes. Wow. So you figure yeah. that's 58% gone. Mm -hmm. So you take, let's say you made $10. You've got... Four dollars and twenty cents. Yeah. You then so now you're living on two dollars and ten cents for a year. So then divide two point ten, two ten into twelve months. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking. Yeah. It's not pretty. Yeah. So and and but yet you've directed a movie and it's in movie theaters and people are like, oh my god, you're killing it. You're slaying it and you're like, fuck. What am I gonna do? And so. That's Because it's a full-time thing. The pursuit of getting the job is a full-time thing sometimes. It's full-on. It's full-on. Yeah. So you're, you know, you maybe take odd jobs. I mean, you know, Postmates or Lyft or whatever. What you, before you sort of got your first job, what were you, what were you doing? Sort of well, I was, okay, so I went, I came out to Los Angeles uh, to go to the American Film Institute. I got mm -hmm. in there for grad school and uh, it's great because you basically get this giant loan check. Mm -hmm. And part of the pays for school, you like have a fuck ton of money in your bank account because you basically it's crazy because they give you this money for the year, so they give you like a fifteen thousand dollar living stipend that just is like you're like fuck. Mm. As a student, that's a lot of money. I've got fifteen thousand. You like yeah. go to the ATM. Yeah. Like withdraw twenty dollars. It's like fourteen thousand nine hundred eighty left. You're like I'm fuck. I'm a millionaire. <laughs> I'm so rich. Yeah. And then you're an idiot. You just do stupid shit. And then like you know, and then you graduate. And you're like, hey, fuck. I need a real job. So I, I was very fortunate that I had a friend who was a production coordinator and like this visual effects company was moving uh, offices. They need someone to just move chairs from one building to another building. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And they were just going to pay me under the table, I think like 150 bucks a day. I was like, okay. oh, great. Yeah, great. Sounds great. It was like three days of work. There's yeah. going to be $450 cash. And I was yeah. like, sweet. Fuck yeah. Sure, done. So I'm doing that, and then it gets to the end, and then they like to be like, hey, can you do some other shit? Like, move some other stuff around the office. So basically, I finished the week. I'm like, super easy. It's like boring, but like, I wasn't thinking like this is going to be a thing, right? And I was like, still, 
and I had a script, and I had all these like things I was doing, and like mm-hmm. I'd made a short to get into a bunch of festivals, and I was like meeting with agents, and like people uh-huh. were like, I'm like, oh my god, my life's gonna take off. This is yeah. I don't need this, but yeah, sure, I'll take yeah. like five, six hundred bucks, whatever. Yeah. Um, and they and then like the next week they were doing it's a visual effects company, and so what they were doing was an insert shoot for this short-lived pilot called Pan Am. I don't know if you ever saw it. it was yeah, like it was, Margaret, it was Margaret Robbie's first job in the states. Okay, so yeah. it was. All in, I don't know if you know much about the show, but it was like the first virtual stage show where oh, they okay. did most of it. Like all those sets, they shot the whole thing in like a, a green screen room at cool. Universal. Okay. So this company was hired to like shoot everything that's in the background of the green screen. And they were also doing all the comp- compositing and all the virtual world stuff. So like at their studio, they would have things like they'd bring in like 30 extras and have like people in period costumes like... Like, just airport, yeah. wallow. Yeah. Like, just people walking around in the background, yeah. whatever. And they're like, hey, okay, so next week, they're like, can we bring you in next week and just make some phone calls and hire some camera operators? And the Alexa had just come out. And I was like, they were, we're shooting on the Alexa. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, what does a camera operator make? <laughs> and they were like, it was like $300 a day or something. And I was like, I... I'm actually a camera operator as well. We studied that at Avon. Just lying mm-hmm. at this point. They're oh, like, no shit, really? Yeah, yeah, oh, my yeah. gosh. I was like, yeah. Because I was like, that's more money than calling people. I was like, I can do one of the cameras. It's like, oh, can you? I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, how difficult can it be? And they're like, and it was then. It's a new camera. It's a brand new camera. So, and I, like, on the day, and visual, it's like shooting a visual effects shoot. It's not like you have a whole camera team. Like, I'm thinking, like, movies that I've made even in film school. And AFI is a pretty high-end film school, so they treat everything kind of like a professional set. So when you show up, there's, like, a professional camera team that builds the camera up for the camera operator. And the dude just turns it on, or the woman just turns it on and points. And I can, I can frame up. Mm-hmm. But, like, I can take exposure. I know I do mm-hmm. that stuff. But, like, on the day, you just I just showed up, and there was just, like, pelican faces. Oh, shit. And I was like, I have to build this camera? Put the, I have to put all the pieces it's like six thirty a.m. or something. Oh God, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, and I was like, where? I was like, oh, I was like, where's the crew? Like, no, 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 it's just you. Shit. You're the camera guy for the day, and I was like, fuck, fuck. I'm like texting camera buddies. They're like, yeah. dude, I've never shot in your life, so like, I just came it was out. a new camera. Then like one buddy's like, so and so did a demo at Ari, and I'm like texting him. He's like, so I'm just like, like trial and error, yeah. like breaking shit, like putting things yeah. in wrong, like. Like armpit sweat down to like my, I'm just like, oh, oh. it was so nerve wracking. Finally, get the like, it's like I'm late. People are looking at me. I, I fucked up so many times. It was like one of those things where like I felt like I had it going, and I was like creating this narrative like something was wrong, and then like I was doing everything I could to like basically buy time. Yeah, just to yeah. be honest, because I I lied my way into a higher job uh-huh. to try and make money. Yeah. And I eventually figured it out, and I got through that day, and then they were like, okay, great, we're doing it again tomorrow. And then, like, after a while, I kept shooting this stuff for them, and then that one-week thing turned into a a two-and-a-half-year job, where I was basically sent all over the world shooting plates. Like, you know, you see a green screen where someone's in a hotel room, and there's, like, Paris. Yeah. I'm the dude in Paris shooting things. So it sounds awesome, but, like... First of all, lesson learned, lie your way into your starter job. Oh, God. Straight. For for yeah. any aspire. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Fake it until mm-hmm. you make it. 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that goes the same with, like, you know. With a lot like, of things, right? I could even get into it. We could talk a little bit about how my first movie I made. But, like, I think yeah. it was, like, that mentality was the only. If I hadn't done that, I don't know what I would have done for money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was making more money doing that than, I mean, I got paid six grand to direct my first film. So, it's like. Poor boy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, it's like. <laughs> 
Like that's like you know. Yeah. So anyway, with Oscar nominee Michael Shannon. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Realities of the industry. Yeah, dude. Own. So it's yeah. like you know, but you're like, because you're like, I think I was gonna make more. Well, mm-hmm. I definitely was gonna make more. It wasn't much more. Now I was gonna make twenty five grand. Mm-hmm. And then I just kept putting more on the screen. Oh, I was like, okay. I want this. I yeah, want that. I want right. this. And you were willing to do that, obviously. Yeah. So I think like, and I thought during that that three two three year period that like one of these scripts I had written was going to get made. Like I was just some young hotshot director coming out of AFI and I was like, everything's going to happen to me. Nothing was happening. So what was the turning point with you uh, going from shooting the plates around the world to getting Poor Boy? What was, how many years was that? Five years or so? Um, three? three. Well, once we started shooting four, but three until I started saying, okay, I'm going to do this. I. And you had these scripts written in your spare time? Yeah, I had loads of other scripts written. Okay. But Poor Boy I had not written at all. Told me the scripts were much bigger, so I went to this film festival. My friend ran this film festival in Las Vegas, and it was the first year of the Las Vegas Film Festival. It's now turned into something pretty rad, but like it's a very small local regional mm-hmm. festival. But like I went because he was running it. I sat in the theater, and like this movie comes up. It was called Liars, Fires, and Bears. Nice little plug for those guys. But they play this movie. I was like, okay, it's pretty cool. I followed it the whole time. It looked fairly professional. I knew it looked low budget. I was like, this is a low budget indie that the filmmakers got up. And someone asked a question about the process of making it. He's like, well, it was really challenging. He's like, we had 15 grand. And I was like, I'm sorry. And like afterwards, I found the director. I was like, I'm sorry, did you say you had $15,000 to shoot the entire movie? He's like, yeah. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, okay. So I started drilling him yeah. with questions. Yeah. I'm like writing things down. I'm like, okay. I left that festival. I went back home. And I was like, I'm going to make a $20,000. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Like, if nothing else is happening, I'm going to make a $20,000 movie. Yeah. And then around that time, uh, life happened, and I accidentally got this girl pregnant, and she decided to have the child. Yeah, okay. And so I'm like, okay, it's like shit or get off the pod moment. Right. Like, I'm either I'm going to be a dad working at a visual effects company, or I'm going to go off and, like, be a movie director. Mm-hmm. Filmmaker. And <laughs> uh, that's when that's when it happened, when I found out. How old your daughter now? She's four. Okay. She's four. So when I found that out, I um I just started writing Poor Boy, and I, the idea was to basically write a twenty thousand dollar movie. And we have it, have, have it done before the kid comes. Yeah, but that didn't yeah. happen. And she was born, and then two months later, I quit my job, and then four months later, I was rolling cameras. Okay. And then a year later, it came out at Tribeca, and then that's when my life changed. Okay. So it was about. 16, 18 months from the time I was like, okay, should I get off the pot to like, okay, now this is what I'm doing for a living. Right. And you had the movie made in this short period of time. You got Michael Shannon. Yeah, we got a lot of great actors. Uh, how we got Michael Shannon um, was my producer had worked on the I on the film festival circuit. I met this woman who became your producer. Became my producer. We had shorts programmed in the same block. Okay. We became friends, Facebook okay. friends. Right. Uh, and I've never used Facebook. And it was like right around the time of like, I was putting this movie together, trying to find a producer. All my friends were kind of like, yeah, we'll do it, but they weren't really invested. And she kept posting pictures of like, from the set of Midnight Special, from a set of a Terrence Malick film. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this woman seems to be making movies mm-hmm. that are in movie theaters. So mm-hmm. like, I just messaged her like, hey, can you give me some advice? Like, mm-hmm. try this thing. I send you my script. Everyone always says that. But I was like, I know you don't have to read it, but this is what I'm doing. I wrote an email. Like two weeks later, she calls me. She's like, "Hey, I read this and read the whole thing that you're trying to do." She's like, "And I happen to be in Venice right now. Can you come over, like, and meet me tomorrow?" I was like, "Yeah, I came over." She's like, "What are you trying to do here?" And I was like, "This is what I want to do." 
She's like, do you have anything else written? I was like, I got stacks of scripts. She's like, can I read one of them? And I, I gave her one of the ones that I thought was my favorite one. And she's like, these are good, she said. And this is like a pretty cool little package you have. She's like, how much more money do you need? And I was like, well, I've got 50 grand raised, and I'd like to get the 75. How did you get the 50 grand raised? Um, I was out to dinner with this visual effects artist that I knew. Mm -hmm. And he had just gotten signed. He made like a 90-second short film. It got released on the internet. And it blew up. It looked awesome. It blew up. And like CAA signed him, I think. Someone huge. Mm -hmm. And he was like, and I was like, let's go out to dinner and celebrate. And he's like, tell me all this stuff that's happening in his life. The crazy things, like the meetings he's getting, people that are talking to him. Like It went super viral, like overnight. Like everyone's talking about it. He gets signed with this massive agency. I'm like this unknown kid. And we go up to like um, this uh, steakhouse in downtown Los Angeles, the um, Pacific Dining Car, mm -hmm. which is amazing. And we get steaks and like a bottle of wine, scotches. And I'm like, I have like $300 in my bank account. But, but like, I'm like adding things up in my head as I'm eating them. And I'm like, <laughs> this is going to cost me about 125 yeah. total for my side. It's like we're splurging. But I was like, he's a good friend. And I yeah. was like, it's a big day for him. Yeah. Anyway, Bill comes. It's like 225 Then you get a tip. Okay. And he's like, oh, my God. Oh, no. I don't have my wallet. Oh, fuck. I was like, funny. He's like, no, I don't have my wallet. I was like, oh, fuck me. So, like, you know, you're like, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. You know, you put the card down, and immediately you're, like, going to your bank app, and you're, like, checking to see if you have $260 in your account, because that's a ton of money for me when I had no job. It's a ton of money now for anything. I mean, it's always. You just yeah. never know. And, and uh, it's a crazy amount of money spending a meal um, uh, when you're a broke artist. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did, and it came, and he felt super bad. And then, like, the bill comes. We've been talking about him the whole night, and the bill mm -hmm. comes, and I'm just, like, downtrodden. Just, like... Just drinking the ice in my drink because I can't order another one. Yeah, yeah, broke. yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like, so what are you working on? And I was like, I just wrote this like script. I don't know, man. I'm just trying to raise like 50 grand to go shoot it. He's like, okay, okay. He gets home. He calls me. He's like, hey, I, I really feel bad about the money. This is before like Venmo or anything. Yeah. You can't yeah. transfer money. Okay. He's like, I feel really bad. I, I owe you. He's like, I was thinking about your script. And it sounds really funny. And he's like, can I send it to like these guys that sometimes like I work with that like I do visual effects for? And he's like, I'm like, yeah, whatever. And he sent it to them on a Friday. I get an email on a Monday. And like, can you hop on the phone in like two hours? And these guys were like, this is the funniest script we've and he's ever, just yeah, we've ever read. They're like, how much money do you need? I was like, I'm gonna make this move 50 grand. They're like, we'll give it to you. We greenlit. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, let's go cast this thing. I was like, what? Right. So like, then I'm thinking, oh my god, I got fifty grand. I'm rich. Like my movie's greenlit. And then I didn't have a casting director, I didn't have anything. So we started emailing agents, trying to get actors, and people are just laughing at you. They're like, what's the budget? And you're like fifty grand. And they're like, I mean, I had no idea what actors made. Sure, now I have yeah. an understanding yeah. of like, they're asking me like, well, that's not even as much as Schedule F. And I'm like, yeah. what's Schedule F? Mm -hmm. And like, that's the last I heard of this agent. You know what I mean? You're just like. You know, I had no idea what people got paid. I just was like, someone else did it. This is only four years ago? Yeah. Wow. And I had no idea how anything worked, really, other than, like, I, I understood the mechanics of how a film set could be run, but I had no idea how, like, the business side worked. A lot of being laughed off the phones and stuff like that. But I put together, like, I got, like, Lou Taylor Cucci involved and a couple of actors that I really like. 
And um, when I met with Kristen, she kind of liked the core group. And she said, hey, maybe we could go down to South by Southwest. So Kristen is the producer that you're meeting with at Venice to go yeah, full circle. Yeah, 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 Kristen, okay, cool. yeah. And she's like, I love this. She's like, yeah. she's like I'm actually going to South by Southwest uh, in, you know, in a few weeks. You should come with me. Maybe we can take some meetings and try and put together the remaining 25 grand. And then um, we went down there, and Jeff Nichols and Michael Shannon were having a conversation, and she had worked with both of them, and she, she sat in the audience. And afterwards, she was like, hey, guys, like, oh, come here. And we, like, fall, and I'm like, she's like, Robert, come on, come on, follow me. And then I'm following her, and then, like, some South by Southwest person, like, stops me. <laughs> Mike Shannon waves Kristen through, and I'm like, and then they walk off into a tunnel. Uh, and then I'm just sitting there in this theater like a dick. Just like, oh, left alone at the prom. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, some PA comes running up. They're like, Robert Scott Wilds? Robert Scott Wilds? I was like, yeah. It's me. like, come, come, come. Walk with me, walk with me, walk with me. And I walk down. And it's like, in this tunnel in Austin, it's like, Terrence Malick is there. Um, the head of South by Southwest. I think his name is Janet Pearson. And like, Jeff Nichols and like, Janet. And like, I'm just kind of like being thrust into this group. And they're all walking. We come out this secret entrance, and we all walk to this like bar. We go into the secret back. It's like a dive bar in Austin. Okay. We come in the back. It's all very exclusive. The super. Is, it felt like kind of special. And then all of a sudden, yeah. everyone starts drinking, getting drunk, and then like we're all drinking, 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 and I'm like trading shots and drinking beers, and I end up getting sequestered off with um, Kristen and Mike uh, Shannon and their friends. And Kristen's like, "Yeah, Robert's this talented director, and he's directing this movie, and." I'm intimidated AF because I'm looking at because Mike's a hero of mine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. he's a hero of a lot of filmmakers because he's just he's like a such true, an interesting. He's a true actor. Yeah, yeah. in the truest sense because yeah. he's like what I was talking about with a buddy of mine. Like, where are the fucking men? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, where are like the Gene Hackmans and the Ben Gazzaras and the like the men's men, like real fucking masculine male actors that are like you know powerful and like have grit and like are messy but like raw and beautiful like he's just like of this like torn from a different era which mm-hmm. is so beautiful to watch mm-hmm. anyway we get pulled off in the corner and i explain my movie and there's a rodeo clown in it and uh and kristen's like and robert wants me to play the rodeo clown i look at kristen i'm like yeah yeah i want you to come out and play rodeo clown for a day and he's like why the rodeo I just kind of like blacked out and like 30 seconds later I wake up and I explain what, why I wanted him to play the rodeo club and he's like, all right. And I was like, okay. And then like we walk away, Chris and I walk away and she's like, I kind of changed the movie a little bit. I was like, did he though? Yeah. He okay. just kind of said, and then like she followed up, actually I think she emailed his okay. agents and his lawyer. He's like, yeah, Michael Sheehan's going to be in Port Ward. And they're like, no, he's not. He's not going to do it. And like, she finally had to touch Mike and he said he was going to do it. And then we bought him a plane ticket and like, we had a backup plan. And on the day, we just had someone waiting at McCarran Airport in Las Vegas waiting for him. And sure enough, he did. He got the airplane. So. And that's how he got in the movie. That's how he got in the movie, yeah. yeah. Cool. Just asking him. And he said yes. And it was just like a confluence of like events that led to him saying. And he hadn't read the script at that point, but he trusted Kristen's. He trusted Kristen, yeah. and uh, I believe before he got in the plane in New York, he probably yeah, he yeah, read, he it, read it, it. Yeah, but 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 he, at the moment, yeah, and I think it was just like a a process. But I think it was just very similar to like me just basically saying like, yeah, I can shoot that camera. It was just like, all right, let's ask 
my favorite actor ever to basically come out for two Yeah, both of these, both of those stories, the starting point of your career and then the starting point of this film is faking it until you make it, basically. Yeah, and then, and then it just kind of worked out and he was great and he's been, you know, a champion ever since and, um, yeah, it's, it's been a great process. So I guess to answer one of the four, want would be sustainability because in a long-winded way, like, it's totally, it's an unsustainable, like, yeah. process to just totally. be like, is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? And unfortunately, I had a project lined up right after uh, Poor Boy, and we were in prep immediately. We were fully cast. We were financed. We were millions of dollars. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, we were a huge agent. They had signed. Uh, Son of the back of Poor, Poor Boy. Boy yeah, coming to Tribeca. Yeah. yeah. Like, I got wrapped. I got manager, lawyer. I got the whole team. Like, everything. The machine was moving forward, and we get on set. February, January, February of 2017. This is because I got signed at 16. Four months later, I'm on set. And we lost one of our big actors because, like, a movie, another actor was in, got pushed. Anyway, the schedule got pushed, like, three weeks. Mm-hmm. And as a result, we lost one of our big actors. Okay. And as a result of that, the financing fell through. Right. Because the financing was contingent it's upon... The opposite domino effect. Correct. There were two actors that the financing was contingent upon. One of those two schedule didn't work out. And then... Movie fell apart, and then we were kind of like scrambling to replace this actor, and no one we were putting up was as exciting for the financier. And then, and then the main actor uh, just didn't have another window that year, and so I was like, okay, it's a rebuilding process. And then, uh, uh, it just the, the momentum was gone, the steam was gone. We kind of like exhausted everyone with it. So we just needed to press pause on that, and then that's when I, I took another film, and I directed another movie, and then I took one over the hangman like four or five months later, and I was there for six months. But like, I feel like it's just an, it's just not sustainable. So what I've done this year is like just been writing all year, putting together projects on various degrees, just have scripts ready to go. So next year, and hopefully build like create a slate. Yeah. So want would be sustainability, and as a freelance artist, it's it's super important. Yeah. And I think like the biggest lesson I learned is not have all my eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. Because no matter where you're at in your career, you read about it a thousand times. Totally. All, all filmmakers. Everything can fall apart. Actors, filmmakers, everything. You, you could have all the ingredients in the world. The biggest movie stars, the biggest studios who have unlimited amount of money. Yeah. And I don't, these movies just fall apart. Yeah. And, you know, there's reasons sometimes. There's not reasons sometimes. There's sometimes like companies close. Sometimes people's money disappears. Or some actor gets in a personal scandal that derails their career. Oh my God! Yeah, you get, there's there's yeah there's like yeah. the fate of the universe involved. There's infinite reasons why things just can't happen when they're meant to happen. And so I so day to day, how do you deal with that and accept that you just as you were talking about before we started the conversation with your everything that's within your own control? I guess you sort of hundred percent. Yeah. So I think like I, it starts with that would be the answer to the question: What do I need? is I need balance. Like, I need to be healthy. And I think, like, that was the one thing I let slip over the past three or four years. It's like, I, I think I woke up after this British film when I delivered the movie in February and then got out of, like, the long... And that's in the cloud? In the cloud, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I directed that movie, delivered that movie in February. It got released in February. I was in a relationship. That ends several months. That ends a few months later. It's, like, the middle of this year. Just a few months ago. And you just wake up and you're like... No project, no relationship, no real 
security about what you're going to do next. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I don't even like who I am mm -hmm. to begin with. Like, mm -hmm. I don't even like looking at myself in the mirror. Right. As, you know, you're, you're. So just a lot of work. I think that's the one thing that I needed to change and what I've been spending the past probably half year working on. So, you know, it's just like. Because that's what you have. In, like, your 100%. So you I, can, 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 I can, can control change. what food I eat. Yeah. I can control how much I exercise. I can control how much I meditate. I can control the thoughts I have. I can control how I look at the universe. I can control the amount of gratitude I have for the things in my life. And the people you spend time with. I can control well. who I spend time with yeah. or who I don't spend time yeah. with. I can create it's healthy a, boundaries. Yeah. I can, you know, um, I read more. You know what I mean? Like, not dick around on the internet. Like, just make some fundamental changes in my life that was things I, a lot of, like, I didn't have any balance. I was just go, 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 go. And, like, I started seeing the work being messy and things falling apart. But what I didn't realize is I was falling apart internally. And then when I stepped back and had a bit of an omniscient perspective on it, because you have to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, like, certain life circumstances hold a mirror up to who you are. Yeah, yeah. You know some, I mean? And some people shy away from it, and other people you confront it. And you have to, you have to confront it. Especially yeah. as an artist. As an artist, you have to. Because, yeah. like, it takes something for some people. Some people, it's like a big project falls through, or uh, speaking from a filmmaker's perspective, or sometimes it's like you get out of a relationship, or a death happens, or, um, I don't know, a traumatic event, you know, and you are left, and you're, you're basically looking back into the void, and you're like, that's who I am? It's not pretty sometimes. Mm -hmm. You can think everything's going really well. I feel like, I mean, that's why you look at these people, and some of the most successful people in the world, some very wealthy people, and they're fucking miserable. Yeah, they've got a shaky core, <clears throat> a bad foundation. Exactly, exactly. So you, you got to start building the house up. And so I feel like that's what I need. I know I need that because I didn't have that. I didn't know I needed that. I thought I needed everything else. I thought I needed all the superficiality. I mm -hmm. thought I needed the career, mm -hmm. the... Fancy agents. The fancy steak, agents. Steak yeah, the steak dinner. Yeah. The, the the ideal relationship, the ideal partner, the all this stuff. I felt I needed all that. The kind of like, you know, traveling internationally, directing movies, you know, all these things. You're like, I need those things. And you're a, a shithole, like on the inside. You're just a mess. You're a rotten core. Or as David Lynch likes to put it, you're wearing a suffocating rubber clown suit that stinks of rubber. And like, you wake up and you realize that like, I think once you have a better awareness of that. And what really helped me initially before I started making other fundamental changes was meditation. And that just changed everything for me. And is that in line with what you said before about a, a degree of spirituality that you have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. So about that. How does that inform your creativity and your process? Well, I feel, I don't know how other creators are, but my, I'm a spaz. Like, it just your mind is so spastic. So yeah. I feel like once I uh, started meditating Do you think you have ADHD? undeniably so but like in a way that's is really is helpful for your yeah I think to every writer. artist that's their it superpower yeah, you definitely. know what I mean whether it's depression ADHD bipolar disorder it's access uh, to something that other humans don't have OCD sometimes. yeah whatever it is like that's your superpower yeah right. that's that's what you have that no one because the thing that you have that no one will ever have is perspective your perspective mm -hmm. is the only thing you own that no one can ever have so yeah. once and then if it's if it's a skewed because of, you know, a disability or a perceived disability, rather, or, you know, an actual disability, you know, or, like, you're impoverished or whatever. You, I mean, like, you, that's your superpower. So I feel like 
I'm, yeah, undeniably a spaz, but I think once I started sitting down and, like, meditating regularly, twice a day, just, like, diving in, like, being still, a, a much deeper level of awareness was brought to the surface where I started realizing, like, oh, I don't like that taste, and very literally sometimes food that I was eating, or people that were in my life, mm -hmm. or situations that were in my life. That I had created. It wasn't anyone else. Yeah. And know? those are pretty common to LA as well. 100%. Yeah. And I yeah. think like, sometimes they'd be in a conversation and I realized the last 10 minutes everyone's just like slating everyone in their lives. And you're like, the amount of negative energy at this table right now. And you don't say that. You're just like, get up and leave. Mm -hmm. And you're like, uh, I'm not really feeling well. Or like, not even lying. You're like, I gotta go home. I'm gonna do some things. Mm -hmm. You know, and you realize you're like, you know, you go up for drinks with people and then you're like, I'm not even here. Everyone's just talking shit about people. And it's just so much negative energy and it doesn't bode well for anyone. Rather just being positive and supporting people and just that's a little thing, but then there's, you know, like just the own language you use in your own mind. Like instead of saying like I can't wait until I have I'm at this stage of my career to do something. But you've already said it's not happening. Yeah. Just in that one shift, yeah. you've already told yourself it's not happening. Yeah. Like, it's so important just to change the language and even in your own mind of, like, where you're at. And so I found, like, what I would do, I would meditate in the morning and then i do it in the afternoon. And in the morning when I'm done with meditation, for about two minutes, I keep my eyes still closed and I just take about two minutes of, like, just internalizing gratitude for things in my life. Really. How long do you meditate for? 40 minutes a day. So tw two 20 minutes long. Yeah. So you wake up, so to the day-to-day practicality of your writing process yeah. from five years ago or even before that when maybe you had just finished film school and you did have that slate of scripts ready when you met with Chris. But they were a mess. They Most were a of mess, them were right? yeah. To now when you feel like you're better sure. handle of your craft. When I was, yeah. You like, you start off every day meditation and, and then you go into Wake up, drink a glass of water yeah, and then I'll meditate for 20 minutes and then I'll um, go for like a hike okay. or to the gym. And then usually start my day. I'll have breakfast after that. So I'll go to the gym, come back, start. I usually like meditate, exercise, eat, shower. I'm writing by, I wake up at between 5.30 and 6.30. Okay, cool. Early riser. Yeah, yeah and I go to bed between 9 and 10. Good, wow. So I go to bed really early. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and then um, I'm writing by like 9. I'll write till like, Two, okay, and that'll be my day. And then I'll spend the afternoon cleaning up around the house, maybe doing some like emails, and then I'll watch a movie. So you create and consume on the same day. Correct. Yeah, I'll watch a movie every single day. Okay, making your way through IMDb top two fifty. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think probably uh, already have by this point. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. So just. Whatever I'm working on, I try and, you know, I'll create, like, Spotify playlists and, like, cool like movie playlists. And I'll just so you listen to music while you're writing? 100%. I can't do it without it. I, I do everything to music. Okay. Except meditate. Okay. That's the one time it's silent. But, like, right. and shower, really, I guess. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> but, like, I can't, I can't, like, I was at the gym. I mean, you still have the, the sound of the water. That's still, that's apparently true. that's really conducive it is, to writing. Yeah. 
Right. I was at the gym and yeah. I have uh, my headphones. I have like the wireless one. Yeah. Like, they died of a battery. And I'm like, time to go home. I can't. Dude, I can't just, <laughs> no, like, don't worry. Like, I've got the same thing. Dude, like, oh, I, I don't have music. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't run now. I can't write. Who yeah. the fuck runs? Like only yeah. serial killers run without music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just we're running from someone. Yeah. It's like I feel like I, I need the world of of sound. But um, that was so. Yeah. Want would be sustainability. Need is balance. Balance. Uh, what were the other two? Think and feel. Think, man, that is the challenge, right? What do you think right now? I mean, I always struggle with, I think that I'm not, you know, it's for me, it's the, the, the struggle for me as, as just my own personal struggle is I always think that I'm never, um, I think, you know, when my first movie came out, I was very, very confident. And then when it came out and like, you start having the world, basically consume it and then give their feedback mm -hmm. and you start hearing that feedback you're like oh i'm a fraud i mean like i happen to have a movie that had a very polarizing response i have other friends that have so i think it's a good thing i think yeah it is a very good mm. thing in, in, in retrospect people it, remember it for longer in the moment though it's very difficult because it's it's very hard when people start responding to your work because for me my, my first film was a very personal intimate very me playing with form, me experimenting with all the different, the plasticity of cinema as well as narrative structure. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel like when you get beaten up for being playful um, and sometimes praise, like I also had similar praise from people. It, it was a movie, that, it was a very challenging thing. So what I think is I, and then I went off and did this. I had this horrible experience directing a, a movie for a studio in, in Europe, and um, it really fucked with my um, my mojo. So I feel like the past several months, like doing this process of internalizing, and then personal development, trusting personal development leads to professional, but also life. Yeah. So right, what I yeah. did was I I I. I Basically, the way I'm phrasing it is, I'm like I'm going into hibernation. Okay. I basically shut myself in. From I mean, I still talk to people. My friend, I'm obviously here. Yeah. I met you, yeah. you know, a month ago, whatever yeah. it is. But like, I feel like you know, it's. But then again, I met you at my building on the roof. Yes, yeah. that was pretty easy. It was an easy yeah. thing. It was yeah. like I was yeah. going out. Yeah. But I mean, I have been. I was like, you know, friends want to go out, catch up, things like that. But like, I think. Be selective though. Yeah, mm -hmm. I basically were like, okay, I'm. I stop posting on social media. I. Cool. I deleted the things from my phone I um, you know I'm not like dating or going out or trying to pull myself out in that way which I know sounds ridiculous to say but like it is such a thing amongst all of my friends like dating apps for my single friends sure. it's just like it's yeah. a big thing especially well for guys it's like a power thing too 100% ego, it's, 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 it's thing. currency yeah it's it, it's unfortunately it's, yeah. it's it's animalistic currency it's like you know who are you with? What are you doing? Is that person hot or not? Are they cool mm -hmm. or not? And he's like, this is disgusting. Yeah. And I'm just done. Yeah. That. And I don't, I didn't, by the way, it's just energy that I didn't have to give anybody else. Right. I have no other energy to give anybody else but myself and my daughter. I was just going to ask you, yeah, is your daughter? That's yeah, it. Right. That's literally it. Like the only two people in my life that I can give that type of attention to. And mm -hmm. I, I just knew that I needed a ton of work done. I looked at myself and I was like, I do not like that person. And so, I've been working on 
positivity, gratitude, and I'm trying to think in that way, and it's totally liberated my creative process, and I'd say this year has been the best it's motivating me right now. writing I've ever done in my yeah. life. It's changed my entire process, and it's like the things that I'm putting together with my writing partner, Logan Antil, are unquestionably the best material we've ever put out, and it's, it's very exciting, and it's very... It's a very liberating process because once you free all of that from your life, it's you almost become like a Jedi Knight because you're just like, oh, that doesn't matter. You're like in the Matrix. You're like, oh, none of that matters. It's all noise. Like, it's all noise. And then you get zeroed in on what your main and primary objective is and you're like laser focused and nothing can distract you. There's, it doesn't matter. Like the idea of like, like jealousy or, mm. or, you know, lust or all these emotions that sometimes you, I would feel regularly like throughout the day, you know, envy or, or inadequacy, like looking at myself and like, Oh, the reason this isn't happening is because I'm not either good enough for this job or I'm not good enough for that person or whatever. And then all of a sudden, once you just start like zeroing in on ground zero internally, you're like, you just become, I mean, yeah, you harness your superpower. So when you're, when you are, writing you're at a computer and you're just simply typing away and letting the ideas form or does it vary from you day to day hour to hour depends on the project I, i've got a bunch of things where i'm juggling with my partner logan and, and we're we we balance it as we can but sometimes it's as messy as like you know you're scribbling on a notepad and you're just drawing squares and I mean, like the other day, I went into Photoshop and I, for this one project, I've been hired to write and did it. We've been in treatment hell, like delivering treatments to this to this producer, and he's like, "It's not working, it's not working." And finally, how long how long does the treatment look like for you? Treatments are usually like fifteen to twenty pages, okay. basically like beat by beat for the whole movie. Yeah. With some it's a bit of a scriptment because sometimes there's some dialogue in there yeah, yeah. to give an idea of like how people sound. Yeah. Um, but it's beginning to end wasn't working and then finally I was like okay we met for drinks downtown last week and I had a big notepad and I was like all right dude let's draw the movie mm. like let's just figure out the movie let's like just draw it just be like okay this is page zero this is page 90 here's page 45 okay you're just like you know there are the fucking landmarks yeah of like what we're talking about here it was like page 15 20 and we we're like hitting beats and I was like drawing the characters in squares and triangles and gave everyone icons. Then, like, we figured the movie out by just drawing it. And I was like, oh. And then I made it in, like, this document. Um, I made it in this document, and I showed it to him when I got back home. It stayed up and made it in photoshop oh that's amazing you guys listening that's such a shame i can't like put an image of this but it's like a diagram for the plan of the movie that's really cool and it just literally explains what's yeah. happening beat by beat what yeah. they encounter how they finish yeah what happens. according to is that a five-act structure or sort of like it looks kind of ish yeah. it's it's yeah mm -hmm. but it's it's like but it's like a graph as well yeah it's a graph mm -hmm. it's a flow chart it's it, it was, I had never done, it just kind of happened out of the process of like, we kept hitting a brick wall mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, let's just draw it. And then now I'm like, I'm always going to do that. Yeah. Cause that is an So you've discovered a process for you that helps and that just came out of just a random, frustration. Yeah. yeah but just like yeah. everything else wasn't working. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't crack the nut and it was, and it's, this is, 
it was one of the first times I've ever been hired to write a movie that I'm also going to direct. So it's okay. an interesting process where like I've been hired to write this movie and then I'm going to direct it whenever we when you finish the script. script. And like but you're not just left to your own devices to go write a film because people are paying you. So to it has write to a movie. it has to meet certain Yeah, meet yeah. whatever and you know, they they have a different they have they're viewing it with different optics than I am. I'm mm-hmm. like what's creatively the most interesting and they're interested in that but they're also like is this movie going to get financed is this movie knowing the marketplace right now is this movie going to get a release is this movie going to be castable is this movie going to be is this now too expensive for the budget range we're talking about am I going to price myself out of a job there's all these different considerations and um, we kept hitting brick walls and uh, a lot of these development executives there are some amazing ones out there and the one I'm working with he's, he's great but he, he was even honest. He's like, I don't know how to tell you what I want. I'll just know if I like it or not. Sometimes that happens, though. That's just like with the casting process as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, you know, that's so amoebous because you just you have a feeling of who the actor mm. is, but you can't really describe it. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes a person walks in the room, yeah. like, oh my God, it's him. Or you're at South by Southwest and seeing or, like, or he, nominated. Well, God, yeah. I mean, he, he that, could play a fucking dog in a yeah. movie and he'd be well cast. Yeah. Like, Mike can do anything. He's he's a magician. Um, what's the shortest amount of time that you finished as a draft for a feature screenplay, and what's the longest time you've it's taken you to finish it? One month right? would be the shortest. Okay. Eight years would be the longest. Eight years, wow. And how many do you think you've completed over the course of your? Probably since, since I gra- I graduated in two thousand twelve from AFI, so that's what six years. Ten, okay. I'd say maybe, and then there's like loads of treatments, yeah, and, and like log lines and, sort of, and things, and yeah, and you just keep cranking out ideas yeah. always. That creates further ideas, right? Yeah, and then yeah. but then you get to a situation where I, when I came into this year, where it was almost like you know me and my manager sat down and I had a bunch of ideas, and there's only so much time in the mm. day. What are you going to focus on? Yeah, you need to be quality of content. Exactly, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, because when my movie fell apart, uh, top of last year, me and Logan wrote a movie really fast, I think over like four or five weeks. I loved it. And it was like, it was like a crime story set in the desert, but it was also a superhero origin. It was just too many movies in one. Okay. And like my manager read, he's like, this is three films. Right. And I was like, so mad <laughs> but he was right yeah. it was just it was just a mess because but I was, it would have been cathartic writing it for you it was right? it was really yeah. cathartic writing yeah. it was like I got creative I got excited again I was yeah. like in it you're thinking about it writing is writing is a fun time I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the writing process I think my favorite process of is when you've written a movie companies like we're gonna make it go find where this movie takes place and even if you know you're like okay this movie takes place in LA this movie takes place in New Zealand, going to those locations and like locations, and I, I location scout for months. Like for Poor Boy, I location scout for like four or five months. Cool. So it's like finding the film. Especially for a film like that, it was really distinctive and important that you had the right. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And I think like even when I did the movie in England, like I spent an inordinate amount of time just walking around London and then ultimately Manchester, where we shot most of it, mm-hmm. uh, just every day, even not during location scout, just trying to figure out what does the movie look like. Mm. And I love that process. I love the process of just getting on the ground and footing it and just exploring neighborhoods or getting in a car if it's like a 
you know. Um, anyway, so that would be, I think I've hit three of them. What am I missing? Oh, uh, I think I feel I need, I want, so you ha I feel, feel would be the last one. Feel, Jesus yeah. Christ. I feel great right now. Honestly, I think I, I feel pretty good. I feel hot. It's like 90 degrees today. I went hiking okay. and like my internal body temperature is really warm. The AC didn't even... The AC is great. Okay. But I, I feel... The black t-shirt and jeans are maybe not the best choice. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm trying to be all moody. It's a bad look. Yeah, I should have gone At least you're not still wearing the sunglasses though. Inside. I know. That would have been true. I should have gotten your... White jeans. White jeans. We're wearing only... like the opposite but the same outfit. Yeah. You would yeah. like full Miami Vice. Yeah. Um, I... Uh, um, I I feel good. I feel really positive, and I feel a lot of. I just feel there's something good happening right now, and I it's so exciting. Good. I feel like I don't know. It's almost like when you feel like you're in the laboratory and you're working on something. And you're about and you, to come up to a discovery. Yeah, I'm really really feeling good about the work I'm doing right now. I feel like I'm really good about the work I'm doing in my own life. I feel like I, I feel really positive about the creative work. And people are responding to that. They are, yeah. yeah. But a lot of stuff I haven't shared yet but that I'm really proud of. That I'm like, this is really good stuff. And I'm, I don't know, I just have a general positivity right now in life. I just feel really good. I, I spend a lot of time alone. I spend a lot of time, yeah, a lot of time alone. I don't really, it just, I, I just know that the next time I'm in the thrust of, when you direct a movie, you talk to more people in 14, 15 months, 18 months, however long it takes, than most people talk to in like seven years. Because mm -hmm. you just are on so many phone calls. And you're, especially if you're shooting away, it doesn't matter where you're shooting. You're like walking into people's homes that you never met, looking at their houses, meeting hundreds of actors, like hundreds of crew members, like vendors, post-production facilities, you know, getting the gear, financiers, like you're just talking to so many people. It's exhausting. Yeah, and, and you're you're the one that's having to talk these conversations throughout the day. And it's just, that's why I like to equate it to hibernation. I think every artist should go into hibernation because you just have these thrusts of momentum when it happens. No matter what your life is like, whether you're an actor or a film director or fine artist, it's so good to just like step away and go into a cave and just figure out who the fuck you are. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm still working on that. But like, but in the process of doing that, I'm like, this is what I like. This is what's exciting me right now. And then like that starts coming through in the work. And then you come back out of the cave and you're like, well rested, and you don't have bags down to your chins on your. You know what I mean? You're like, I am gonna do this now. Mm -hmm. And you have the stamina to sustain yeah. however long whatever you're working on is, whatever your particular field is. I think it's, that's so important. And I, I had never done that. I was like, go, 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 go. From the time you finished. Yeah, and like, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to Palm Springs if I pool for a week. That doesn't really do It's not as a Band-Aid solution. No, it's a total Band-Aid solution. You're yeah. like, oh, this is relaxing in quotations, then you're right back at it. But you're just kind of like decking around on your phone and like yeah. drinking at night. You're not really being yeah. healthy. And yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? You're basically partying. So like, whereas, you know, going to bed at 9.30 p.m. and, like, waking up and, like, meditating and then, like, exercising and eating, like, really healthy food and, like, mm -hmm. doing all these things. You're like, it's amazing. It's like, I, you know, I think as you get older, you're like, that's, it's so fulfilling. Yeah. It's so, and it's, it's, 
like the romantic idea of like an artist like smoking cigarettes and like drinking coffee till 2 a.m. and like pounding in between shots of you know whiskey is like I don't know how that's sustainable. Mm-hmm. I don't know nobody I know that's successful does that. Yeah. Not a single person. Yeah. I mean, I know very few people that smoke cigarettes, period. Never yeah. mind like are like up till 4 a.m. chain smoking, writing, or like doing drugs and writing scripts. Like, yeah, it's a bit of a it's a, a bit of a untrue myth for creatives or whatever. People are I think much more hardworking in the industry than maybe they get credit for. It's a stereo that the stereotype dictates. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's the that's the biggest thing is like every day just sitting in front of the computer or whatever having, that's having my process. Yeah. It's like you have to do it. Yeah. There's no other way And even if it. like shit comes out or it's a bad day. At least you tried. Yeah, you're there at work. You're showing yeah. up to your office and your office can be five feet away from your mattress. Mm-hmm. But like you're showing up and you're doing it and I'm sure everyone says that, but like it is so true. Because that you just, you know, it's like when you you eat right for a day, you don't notice a difference. But you do it for like three or four months, and all of a sudden you're like, "Wait, I, I just am happier. Mm. Why am I happier? You know what I mean? Or why am I? Why do I look better? Or like, why do I feel better? Or why is my skin brighter? Or you just you start and you're like, "Oh yeah," because I've like self care. Yeah, I'm taking care of myself. And then similarly, like with your work, you're like why is this the best thing I've written? Or like an actor, you know what I mean? Like you have some actors that are like, oh my God, my auditions are suddenly better. And they're like, yeah, because I've been like training and putting the work in and yeah. taking care of my body and my mm-hmm. mind. And, more relaxed. And I'm more relaxed. And I'm just me. You're the you're the best, most pure version of yourself. There's a darkness to your earlier work or the work that's been released thus far. Is there a slightly more positive bent to your work that you're creating and that you have coming up? Yeah, for sure. I think I definitely want to do a comedy. Okay. Uh, that's I'm writing a comedy right now. There are some dark things that I'm working on, but it's I would say in addition to dark, there's like a messiness. Yeah. To my earlier stuff, and that's 100 percent reflected through that work. Okay. Like I was a disaster. <laughs> Not like I wasn't like this like drug-ridden drug at. I was just like, I had no structure to my life. Yeah. Even if someone looked you up right now with the photos of you a couple of years ago <laughs> in interviews and stuff, you look different. Like, oh, I can't guarantee yeah. it. I guarantee it. I was not in a good yeah. place. Uh, like, and I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. I thought everything was great. I mm-hmm. thought I was on top of the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I wasn't like, I don't do drugs. I don't like, I, I you know, I drink alcohol. But I don't know. I mean, it's not even about that. It's just, I wasn't grounded in any sense of who I was. and I think like, and that's a journey, right? For yeah. everyone. There's a, it's a process, I think. Yeah. But I feel like, uh, I think my newer work, whatever I do next and hopefully moving forward, will just have a, a, a different kind of confidence. Like a more, um, I don't know, uh, there's a piece that I have inside right now. And I think like that, that, that lends itself to like a, quiet confidence when it comes to the work and I think that that's really important especially as a film director because people are usually enthralled by that yeah if especially if the majority of audiences don't have that within themselves well what it is is it's, it's, it. uh, it's comforting yeah it's, it's yeah. as an audience you know you're in good hands yeah you yeah. feel safe and you're more willing to go off on yeah. and, a narrative tangent and or, thought through the work rather correct because you're like life. oh I'm safe whereas like yeah. if you watch the first 15 minutes of my first film of Poor Boy you're like, 
you have no idea what's happening, and you're like, oh my god, I'm in the hands of a madman. And, it's, and that's, it, to a large degree, that was very true. Uh, and it was a very anarchist film for me, and I was in a very anarchist mood in life. And I was, you know, now I think I'm just at a different stage in my life, and I've had a lot of things happen, and I don't know, there's, I think now an audience will feel that. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that, that's the coolest thing about creating, mm. is you're creating a version of, your art is who you are internally. Yeah. Not who you are on the surface, yeah. not the superficiality of what yeah, you are. You can't. Yeah. you can't create that, you, that's yeah. a facade. Yeah. Like who you are, you're not, that's, you can't hide from that. Yeah. That is like, that is going to be married to whatever you do, whether you want to like it or not. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, yeah, that's what I'm working on. Wow, cool. Yeah. Um, those, those were probably the most detailed responses to those four questions. I didn't have to ask any follow-ups. <laughs> just went through those. Are there any abridged uh, pieces of advice or insights that you haven't touched on today that you'd want any listeners to walk away from if they listen to this? Yeah, I mean, who the fuck am I to give advice? I mean, I, I would probably want advice from all your listeners, to be honest with you. But I think, like, if, if I would just say take a deep, long look at, you know... Actually, fuck that. Just make yourself happy. And I think, like, but honestly, it's, if, I, first, I think meditation is great. Whether it's two minutes a day or two hours a day, you know, I think just sitting with yourself and being still and being in the moment. And there's loads of different types of meditation practices. And I, it's not like I'm advocating something or like, you know, I've got a pyramid scheme here. But it's like, find whatever works for you, Mm -hmm. but sit with yourself. Mm. once a day twice a day however long you want to do it for I mean there's mindfulness meditation that you YouTube, can do yeah for free you can do it for yeah. free and you literally just sit there yeah it, that's it mm-hmm. there's some meditation practices for like three minutes you just sit there with your eyes closed and you're like in your thinking you're like you're just feeling your feet on the ground mm-hmm. and your butt in the chair and your arms on the side of the chair and you're like I'm here mm-hmm. I am in a room I'm in Studio City, California sitting down sitting in a black leather chair it's like you know you just you're just finally like so it's not just go 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 you just like you calm down and you're like aware that changed my and that changes especially because some of anxiety or depression comes from the past or the future 100% so you just realize where you are it's it's not that bad no yeah it's great it's amazing we're all like the envy of the dead yeah are you kidding me yeah there's like Someone life support somewhere begging for the opportunity to have our worst day. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's the reality, right? So. Be grateful. Fucking hell, man. Gratitude. Dude, that's a pretty powerful closing sentiment. Um, I love it. I. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Robert, thank you for coming on the show today. Guys, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure you did as much as I as I did. And there's you're not on socials anymore. I am on Instagram, oh, but I Instagram? don't really post anything. Is there anything that you want to direct people to to check out Poor Boy on iTunes? They can watch Poor Boy, yeah. Watch yep. Poor Boy. Uh, it's it's released uh, internationally. It's on Amazon, iTunes, fucking everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it out there yeah. for everyone. Yeah, just Google Watch Poor Boy. Yeah. Um, and any other films coming up that you want people to look out for or we won't I, I, basically I, I guys like know I'm, that there's exciting stuff I'm cooking up some stuff yeah, yeah we, I'm, we're gonna be shoot, we're gonna be rolling cameras next year very exciting yeah. okay cool guys well um, yeah until next time